Voice Memos podcast with Jen and Myron. Hey, welcome to Voice Memos. I am Myron Clifton and my co-host is Jennifer. So Jennifer is a wonderful lady. She's originally from Wisconsin, now in California, flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named Mojito that I call Beast. She's a great sister, daughter, and a great friend. And uh, she is my co-host. Hey, Jennifer. Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me. So I lied. <laughs> this is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out is how he raises his daughter, Leah. Well, you know, my girlfriend does speak Spanish. And so every now and then I would just whip out a word like ensalada. Or, <laughs> or muchas gracias, you know, <laughs> just to really be obnoxious. <laughs> muchas gracias, that's where you think you're, you end up being bilingual. <laughs> you know, I really should have paid attention in Spanish one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been to Mexico so many times that I think I'm a professional and I sound like I do. And then what happens is, they start talking to me uh, in Spanish, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't have it like that. Like, no. slow down. <laughs> I need you to put a little Spanglish in there for me because I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I bet you, I bet you, people that speak Spanish are just like, good God, these Americans. <laughs> We're the worst. Exactly. You know, they're talking about us, which is fine. <laughs> That's all. They- <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm fine with it. We, you know, we earned every bit. And, and, you know, unlike many other nations around the world whose people speak multiple languages, we are just generally a one language people. It's terrible. I wish. Yeah. I, I always think even when I go and get my nails done and the women speak Vietnamese, I'm super jealous of the fact that they're bilingual. Right. It's just, and they just flow between languages. And I was like, you know what? It just, I don't know why our country has chosen not to just immerse ourselves in other languages. Now, shout out to people, you know, Americans who do speak multiple languages. You guys rock. It's just that in general, it's just not a thing here. It's not. And it's kind of sad because I, I think about, you know, if someone's, if someone would wave a magic wand to me, would I want to play an instrument um, would I want to be able to um, sing really well, or would I want multiple language? I would love to be to, to be able to speak so many languages. If someone would just say, "You're going to be given this gift," I would take that gift over anything. You know what? That's that's a great thing. That's a great point. So I would. So what language would you? What language or languages would you speak? Well, I would definitely speak um, French. I would speak. Um, Spanish. I would also speak um, uh, like Thai. I, and I would love to learn Vietnamese. I mean, that would just be the four of them. Even Russian. Even I would love to learn Russian. Yeah, I think I would like, um, well, Spanish would be one. And then I would like German. Because you always hear how German has all these great words and phrases for things that we don't have, like English doesn't have. So I like German. I think I would like an like a couple of Asian languages, like maybe, um, maybe Japanese, because it seems oh. so expressive. Yep. And then, you know, like thirty something or maybe forty percent of my DNA originates in the great nation of Nigeria. So I would like to speak. I think one of the languages is. Um, Yoruba, I think that's what it is. And you know what? I may be like totally messing that up, but I, I would like that. So so I would like to like cover the continents and try to get a language from everywhere. 
Oh, that's a good idea. You know, I think my DNA is I've got Polish and German in me too. So it's, it's that thought process of, do I want to learn the language of my ancestors or do I want to sound super cool? And I think French just sounds so lovely and yeah. I mean, we both been to Paris and hearing people next to you at a table, just talk a language. It's incredible that words that people can understand other words of another language, especially writing. So if you look at like Japanese, like you were saying, how do you even comprehend to learn that? I don't know. I I don't know. Right. Like I, I am so like bad. Like I'm so bad. I can't understand anything. I think the only thing I can do, only thing I retained for my, um, Spanish classes in high school was the ability to read in Spanish, but I can't understand, but it's very easy to know um, how words, most words written in Spanish sound. So I can read it and sound, you know, like marginally competent, but I have no idea what I'm saying. Wow. Okay. I didn't even know you could read it. Yep. I can read it. And that's really, that's it. Like that's as far as my, um, bilingualism goes like I could I could read oh do you know what no, I take that back I think I can read Hawaiian because Hawaiian is really easy every vowel is pronounced in, in Hawaiian oh really every vowel so so no matter the word just pronounce every vowel there's no silent there's no uh, ranges of sounds for a vowel just pronounce it as a vowel and just go with it and, and Far as I know, now I could be like totally 100% off, but I remember learning that from, I used to to have a roommate who was Hawaiian and he was teaching me how to read and not understand it because I don't understand it, but how to read in Hawaiian. So he said, just pronounce every vowel and you're good. That's crazy. I mean, I guess it's all that almanac reading that you did. (laughs) (laughs) You're able to like absorb all that. You know, speaking of reading, we have a couple things to really talk about. One, I, I slept fairly decent last night with the election, you know, results that happened across the, across the country. And then I think this is our 30th episode. So I I think it's really important to kick off speaking of reading all the books that you've written and um, maybe talking to the audience about your first book and somebody giving a little synopsis of what that book is. And then I I can interject with what I took away from it. But I think this is such a good opportunity because at the end of every podcast, you're talking and letting people know, you know, that you can find your work on, on Dear Dean and Myron J. Clifton, but do they really know what to look for and what you have to offer? So I think I, I think that your first book was the goddess book. Was that the first, first one? Yeah. Yeah. So um, my goddess book is a great book. So it is um, her legend lives in you. The official titles, her legend lives in you. Um, the untold creation story of the goddess and her daughter. And it is a, very, it's a short book. It's very mystical and uh, new mythology is what, um, the publisher caught it on the, on the back, I think on the back cover and it is a whimsical and it's also very, um, it is, is very fun, but it's also a very deep book and it's very short. It's only, I don't know, um, maybe 60, 70 pages or so. And it's also available on audiobook. Uh, it's my only book that's available on audiobook, audiobook so far. And it is a retelling of the creation myth and it's told from the perspective of um, the goddess and so uh, we go through the the birth of the goddess or the 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 coming into being of the goddess we never experience her birth and then we follow her along as she decides to create a universe and she does it in a way that's um has been described as very poetic and it's it's poetic science and so it's a mixture of science and poetry. And so when we talk about her creating um, um, part of the universe, you know, giant gas clouds and stars and things, it's, it's written as if she's building a garden and she's stringing, you know, these stars that are, that burn out in a, just a few billion years and they're called um, perennials and some that last 
longer you know, or shorter called seasonals. And so it's a mixture of those things. And we follow her all the way to creating you know, the, the blue orb, which could be Earth or maybe not. And then we follow her into creating her daughter. And then we follow her along as she, as she raises this daughter goddess. And there's a lot of very fun, um, mystical type things with animals and gardening again and weather and all the way to, to the very end. So it's very um, female um, focused, woman focused and girl focused. And it was a very fun novel to write. Or it's not a novel, it's just, it's, it's a book. And I don't really know where it comes from, but I've been told that the story originated in, you know, I grew up in going to church every day of my life literally every day of my life from age zero to about 22, 23, every day. And so in a very um, uh, Pentecostal conservative um, black church, you know, the choirs, the seven day a week church services multiple times on Sunday and a lot of religious indoctrination. And so this book um, I've been told someone else interpreted for me that it is my response to that upbringing which is very male dominated. And so my response to that is, you know, what if the universe was created a little bit differently? Because even the language we use um, in talking about the beginnings of the universe, you know, um, even in science is very male dominated, you know, a big bang, you know, and everything just exploded from a single source. It's very ejaculative, you know, as opposed to if you think of, you know, if you looked at it from a female perspective, well, what would it look like? What would it, how would we write it? And this book sort of tackles that. And so we think of, you know, curves and segues and gentle forms and, and, and um, uh, violence in a different way. Because violence in a different way. So the book uh, takes us through that journey from inception to creation to, you know, in results. So without any spoilers. And it's also very friendly to animals. So, I wanted to, I wanted to just try from a different perspective. And I've been very, I think this book probably has the most positive reviews of all my books that are on Amazon. And it's the book that, I think I told you this once, we, once before, uh, it is the book that um, I, my, some of the, it's actually some is still there, but some of the messages I got back from people on email and people find me on social media. Um, and I'm really proud of this, that people thought a woman wrote this book. Yes. And, and even when um, I, this book was in a, a local bookstore, it was the featured book of, uh, for a month or so at a local bookstore, but I tried to have this book in a few different bookstores. And it w- this book was rejected by some bookstores that said, we do not, um, we do not sell books about some religious, they weren't religious bookstores, but they were religious people running bookstores. And they said they do not sell books about a goddess or anything like that. But then there are other couple of bookstores that said, we don't, we wouldn't sell a book about a goddess written by a man. Right. And I'm like, well, this is just like fantasy. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's, you're not trying to debunk all the male written no, religions. Right. Have your, you know, have your thing. I'm not creating a religion. It's just like a fun little fantasy book. And so, but eventually it, it made it to a few bookstores. And so it, it, had, it generated so much. It's still, I still get, I would say once or twice a month, I get comments um, usually online about this book. And I've gotten, people have sent me gifts. Um, I've gotten so much stuff from people who read this book and tell me how much, how meaningful it is to them. And, and quite honestly, you know, I, I started this book on my blog and I wrote it. I wrote one chapter or so per week for, I don't know, eight or nine weeks. And I never knew, I, I never had an end to this. I never had the story laid out. I just wrote a chapter and then I sat down the next week and read what I wrote the prior week and then just wrote something else. And so it sort of just evolved that way. And it sat there on my block for, I don't know, a couple of years, a few years. And one day I went back and read it and thought, this is really good. And I, went to my editor and said, I found an editor and said, I'd like to make a book out of this. And it's that book. And I, you know what? I, I, I said to my editor then, and I, I feel it in a certain way now, 
it is the best writing I've ever done. Like that wow. is a fantastic book. And I, it, I, I sell a lot of that book during Mother's Day. It's a big Christmas present. And I have a lot of um, uh, women who buy it for mothers, daughters, sisters, this kind of deal. Because it's, it's good for kids. You know, it's, there's no um, violence or sex or other sex is fine to, to help explain to kids. I'm not saying sex is bad, but it's age appropriate, you know, for like eight years old, if you wanted to, because um, it's very whimsical and everything. So, um, yeah, so that's the book. It's um, Her Legend Lives in Us, Untold Christian Story of the Goddess and Her Daughter. And I, I usually just call it the goddess book, you know, for sure, because it's a very long title. But, um, and I think on Amazon and, and Kindle and audiobooks, that book is probably a couple bucks now. It's not very expensive, like maybe one or two dollars or something, but it's it's really worth the read. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, because I was, I've been always, I mean, we've been friends for over 20 something years now. And I think about, um, God, 22 years, maybe we've been friends. Right. And if, you've always shared little, you know, books and, and stories. And, you know, I was reading Anytime you started a book, it always started with some something on the blog, and then it just yes. sort of escalated from there. And this one specifically, I know that you used uh, your muse was you know Beast, which was Mojito. Yes, and there it's a very to to me this book just continues to hit home because he was utilized, and just like you say, her legend lives on. That's how I feel about having him represented in the book. But I think specifically, you know, I went, I grew up uh, Catholic, went to Catholic school for six years. Uh, My mom, you know, we went to church on Sundays. And as I got older, I realized that the structure of, you know, the church was something I wasn't comfortable with. I didn't like the foundation of what I was told I could not do or shouldn't do, you know, premarital sex or, you know, not using birth control. There was so many archaic items put in place that I learned that I I didn't want to be dictated by somebody, by someone that wrote a book and preferably a definitely a male um, to put structure on how I should navigate my life. Now I do, I do think, you know, talking to my sister, cause she goes to church too, Christian, a Christian thinking that, listen, if you, if there's a place that people feel some sort of safety and a bond and a connection that allows them the ability to pray and to be hopeful under the umbrella of the church, then I respect that. That is definitely, you are able to do that. I don't judge you for that. I, I, I think everybody needs that sort of outlet for themselves and, and spirituality is, it comes in all shapes and sizes. It's, it's when it starts to dictate how life would be. And when I think about, when I think about your book specifically, I, it it helps me to think that would I be a different Catholic if that's how the world was created by a woman and, and how it was established from the universe and the love and the thought where animals are not deemed as a resource for food, but they're deemed as, as a sentient being and that there's no war. And, you know, in your book, you, again, not giving a lot away, it comes into when man's created and then wars start to begin. And I think for me, that book just allowed me the space to believe just like anybody else that goes to church, that we don't know for certain how the world evolved. Yes, we have the Big Bang Theory and scientists and astrologists and um, physicists and all that will say it's the earth was established. And then, you know, we were created. And out of all the fucking galaxies in the world, we found someone found a place with an atmosphere that allows gravity that I mean, it's it's mind boggling that we are on this planet that's consistently moving. And so something there's a higher power that creates something to that level and i think your book um not only does it help give a warm fuzzy feeling to the thought that man if if the world was created like this would we be where we are at today and i i think you know talking about the election too and some of the some of the candidates that you know got got voted in by some fucking unbelievable (laughs) 
it's perplexing. So I, I thank you for the book. And I think if anybody is listening to this and wants something to, to sort of ground you and to get your mind thinking from something so magical, it's, it's magical. And it's magical. Uh, I love it. I think you, I think people should check it out. Thank you. And I would, I would, I would leave it with, um, I checked online. So it's three ninety nine in paperback. The audio book is five ninety nine, and the Kindle is free on Kindle unlimited right now. Um, and the back, description because I was trying to remember but I thought well let me just look it up with the back description it just says this story is a new mythology that captures the divine feminine and draws the reader into a sisterhood with magical creatures and utopian dreams both whimsical and darkly serious this previously untold creation story presented as a prose poem reveres the mother as creator very simple and there's a lot of themes in it but it's it's an easy read it's fun and it's not religious, it's not, it's not trying to indoctrinate you into anything. It's just looking at creation from a, from a different point of view. And it's just a little fantasy book. And I, I've never met a person who read this book that didn't absolutely love it. Like it's, yeah. it's the book. So, yeah. So, um, and you, and you know, I'm glad we had this opportunity to talk about this because you'll see a recurring theme through some of my books. I always have a little religious element in my books and, in my books, no matter the genre. So there's always a little something there. So we'll cover another one on a, on a future episode. Um, so thanks for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, we have a couple other books to talk about, which I cannot wait to talk about. The the gory, the bloody, and the fucking yes. revenge one. So I'm excited yes. about that. Stay tuned. We'll talk about the, we'll talk about another one next week. And yes. uh, I want to, <laughs> I mean, first of all, if I ever tell you in my life, that I want to move to Florida or that Florida is an amazing place. I need you to slap the shit out of me like they did to those people on that movie airplane. Mm. Remember when they all started spazzing and they had to slap that lady in the face? That's what I want to hear. Like, I cannot fathom and comprehend that retired communities, aka in Florida, want to have a governor in place that wants to take away and is for removing your social security. Like how does, how, how, how did, how did that happen? I know you said yesterday that Florida is very Republican, just like California is very democratic. So, I mean, but don't you think, I mean, think about the states across the country that have flipped, that were dominant and Republican and now are Democratic. If you think like with that on the agenda and abortion and, you know, immigrants and all that, if that's on the, and you want to have the autonomy for your own body and keep your money that you've invested in over and over and over again for, since you started working, and you put them in place. Someone that's against all of that. I, you got to help. Everything. Yeah, you got to help me understand that. It's just every, I, I don't know. You know, overall, the Democrats had a pretty remarkable, and it's still going on, but a pretty remarkable midterm. In that, typically, the incumbent president loses a lot of seats in the um, in Congress during the midterm elections. Um, Republican and Democrat, they all lose a lot of seats. And so far, and there's still some um, races that are that are going on, but so far it looks like um, President Biden and Kamala Harris are going to probably at worst be even, like not lose any seats, which hasn't happened since maybe the 1930s or something like that. So it's, it's remarkable. Now, um, with all the success stories, there's also the other side where you go, like you just mentioned, like what is happening in Florida? Like what happened in Florida and Texas where Florida reelected Ron DeSantis, like just, he's just a vile, disgusting man. And then also their, uh, their Senator Marco Rubio, who's just a mealy mouthed little wimpy guy who does absolutely nothing. And then of course, Texas reelected Greg Abbott by, by a million votes. Like, they freeze in the winter because their energy grid is jacked up. You know, they he has these out of just out of your mind, um, really no gun laws. And they just had this massive massacre in Uvalde at that school. And he was completely inept in his response to that. And then, you know, they just have issues in that state, but they reelected him by a million votes. Um, so you look at it and go, well, why is that? Because you go, do the voters just not want 
the things that Democrats are pushing, or do they just want the um, Republicans to punish Democrats? And anytime you're looking at voting in any Southern state, of which Texas is one, you have to look at all, there's a couple, there's always other factors that there's always voter suppression in those areas, right? There's always tactics to make it harder for non-white people to vote. And that has something to do with it. And then gerrymandering, what gerrymandering is, they create, Republicans create voting districts that will ensure a Republican candidate win. So wins. So now Democrats do this too, but Republicans in the South have been doing it for a couple hundred years. So they will say, if, if all white people live here, we're gonna make that a district because we know they vote Republican, so we're gonna have a representative there that's Republican. And if all black people live here, we're gonna make sure that that district is cut in half. So some of those people are in a district with majority white people and some are in a majority district with black people so that you dilute their vote. Now, the Supreme Court has been saying for 100 or 200 years that gerrymandering is illegal. But you have to sue to stop gerrymandering. And it takes a long time to work its way through the courts. And so um, what Republicans did after President Obama was elected the first time, they really gerrymandered some districts so, in, in, in southern states, so much so that the Supreme Court said, wait a minute, you guys did this with precision, meaning they just made it so by, by representatives couldn't win and then and then they took away voting locations and then they took away made it illegal to drive take a bus and take a boatload of people to go vote and then they made it illegal to take water to people who standing in line for hours to vote and then they took voting locations away from college campuses. So you start restricting and making it more difficult for people to vote. Um, and then in Florida, for example, Ron DeSantis started putting up billboards saying, if you're a felon and you vote and you're not supposed to vote, you're getting 10 years in prison, even though felons, former felons in Florida, after suing and winning all the way to the Supreme Court, that once you have served your time, you should be allowed to vote again. And the Supreme Court affirmed that, and Florida still wouldn't let them vote. And then once they did let them vote, right before voting this time, Ron DeSantis sent police to go arrest people, former felons who had voted and put it on and put it on TV. And then a couple of weeks later, it was discovered, and they're all black people. And it was discovered these people in particular had gone to their voting location, gone to the officials to ask. If they were confirmed, they were eligible, asked where to vote, and they went to go vote. And then Ron DeSantis had them arrested on TV. Um, and they, they all got out of jail because it was all just a sham. But those tactics, then you put up billboards in Black neighborhoods, those tactics make people not vote. Right? And it so scares that, it, them. It, it does. It scares them. It scares them from voting. And so, so you have voter suppression you have gerrymandering and you have the, all these tactics like that. And then you have, like if we, if we look at Georgia, for example, when Brian Kemp was elected governor a few um, last cycle, he beat Stacey Abrams, Abrams and he beat her again. But when he first got elected government governor last time, he took 500,000 voters off the voting roll and they were, they were mostly black. And those people all had to go back and re-register and try to get re-registered and voting uh, in time for the election. And many of them did not. So it, it, again, if you sue, it takes a long time, right? And so then, so then you saw voting locations where armed white men are standing there guarding these voting locations. It's just intimidation. It really is no different than when my grandparents went to vote for the first time down in the South or went to register to vote down in the South. In Texas, Louisiana, they had to go past um, white men with shotguns, right? And so, and so we see that today in 2022. We just saw that this week it was happening in Arizona. It was happening in different parts of the South. People just standing there with guns, intimidating people. 
all because people are exercising the right to vote. And you know what, Jennifer, this is why I say to my response to people who talk about voting doesn't work and it's not important, doesn't matter, all the political parties are the same. If, it, if all that were true, why are there so many efforts to stop you from voting? Yes. <laughs> right? Why does we have, and you know what? Why do you never see um, where we live, right? In our city or any of these surrounding cities, why do you never see armed black people or Asians or um, Latino people, armed people at, in Roseville stop trying to intimidate white people from voting? Now, like no, we, no one else does that. Like no one else does that. It, it just is it, mind boggling. So that happens today. And so, okay, so anyway, the short story is with all the successes, you have you got Democrats also have to look at, look, Florida is a red state. At one time, President Obama won Florida. He won that state as president. But since then, it has gone the, completely the other way. And it's gone the other way because um, the Latino vote is almost splitting evenly between Republican and Democrat. And, that, and people didn't expect that, but the Latino vote is not a monolith. So in California, our Latino population tends to be Mexican. That's the majority Latino in, or Hispanic person in California because our proximity, and we used to be Mexico. But as you just go to other states, it's a different mix. And we, by the time you get to Florida, their heaviest Latino vote is from Cuba, right, Cubans. And Cubans do not vote the same way as Mexicans out here vote. So, so the media will always just say Latino or Hispanic, but it's not that simple. You, you're looking at 33 different countries in South America and the Caribbean of people who identify as Latino or Hispanic, and they don't have the same political ideology. It's 33 different countries worth of people. So, so just because they're Cuban, it doesn't mean that they're going to be Democrat. Or just because they're from El Salvador doesn't mean they're going to be Democrat. And when you start factoring in religion, the Catholic Church, right? These people, most of these people coming from South America are Catholic. And Catholic Catholic voters tend to be very conservative and vote single issue. They vote abortion, no, no abortion, and they vote um, um, what the Catholic Church will 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 fight for um you know no no taxes no oversight of the church church gets into schools all this kind of religious kind of stuff and you know what so florida's lost texas texas is more voter suppression and, and gerrymandering and as much as i like beto work he's not the guy he's not okay. the guy when you lose by a million votes twice you're not the guy right so they gotta they gotta find a different solution for texas georgia Oh, Georgia. Yeah, Stacey Abrams is so much better than um, Brian Kemp, uh, but she didn't win. And it, because it, it of was, white people. It, it was. I mean, the way the voting broke out, 70% of white men and 70% of white women voted for Brian Kemp. <sighs> and you know what? Even after he said he's going to work on banning contraception, not only abortion, but contraception. I mean, you're talking about going back, you know, decades where, where like sex is virtually illegal outside of marriage. Yeah. And I, I don't know, you know, the social scientists and political scientists can dive into this. We'll dive into this. But I don't know why white women vote for Republicans. I don't know why. I don't, but well, they do. I always say, listen, and I got into a, a disagreement with one of my cousins. Like, I always say that white women listen to their fathers and their husbands. I, you know, I, I think so. And, you know, I, it's just 70 something percent. And, and you're talking about banning abortion. You're talking about um, harming other people, right? And uh, women get abortion at the same rate, regardless of race or religion. It's the same rate, doesn't matter, or political party, doesn't matter. But now you're saying 70% of the white women said, we're okay with that. And I just, it's, it's, I can't fathom it. I can't, I can't fathom that the autonomy of your body, that it's more legal to hold, to get an AR-15 than it is to get an abortion. Like you have to, you're forced to carry. I think it was, I think you sent me that little picture too, like forced to carry and that's being pregnant and then able to carry for free, which is an AR-15, which it, makes no right. sense. 
It makes no sense. And you know what? It, like you hear all these Republicans running this pastime, talking about they're going to eliminate Social Security. And you see older white people in the audience applauding. And I'm thinking, he's talking to you. Yes. Like, he's going to take that away from you. Like, what are you applauding this for? I mean, half, not half, but a nice percentage of my check goes to Social Security. You and I have talked about this, like, yes. hey, so that so that people don't have to work until the 80, 90 year old. You put into it now. We save the money for you. Yes, the government can use it, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, that money comes back to you. And it's based on right. how much you make throughout your entire career that you get. And and if that if that came out of anybody's mouth that remotely, even if Newsom, who I love, you know, I, we've talked about. If Newsom said to me, or I heard that Newsom wanted to remove Social Security from my, I would not be a proponent. That's when you get political. That's when you're now, now you're impacting me and my family and my parents right. who would have to go back to work. It is incredible to think because maybe in the moment, those white folks aren't, they're working. They don't, they don't, they're not thinking about retirement, but man, if that doesn't right. show up on their doorstep, those bitches are working until they're 80 or 90 years old. Yeah, it just, it, it is, it is absolutely frightening. They used to call Social Security one of the third rails of politics. When I mean, you don't, don't mess with people's Social Security, because like you're saying, it's not a government handout. It is government paying you back what they took from you. Yes. Right. And, right. and it was created so that seniors would have stable, reliable income as a senior, and you wouldn't have to work to your 70, 80 years old, or, or, you know, be, um, unhoused or homeless or in poverty, if you would have something, you could eat, you would have something, right? And it's a wonderful program. And so for a politician to stand up and say, we're gonna cut that, we're gonna end it. And you have these, and let's be honest, you have elderly white seniors applauding that. And you have white women voting for it. And I'm thinking, okay, on one hand, they're gonna force you to have a baby. And then uh, that's on one end, and on the other end, we're not going to give you any money when you're a senior, exactly. your own money, your own money. And I just think, well, why would you vote for that? I, I just, I, I, I don't get it like at all. I don't understand it at all. And I don't even know if I want to talk to you to ask you. So if you're for that, I don't even know if I want to talk to you because it's probably going to sound freaking uh, conspiracy theory right. and, right. oh, it's not going to happen to me type of thing. This is actually for, you know, really rich people. Like they're going to spew it some way to think that it's going to be a benefit for them. But you know what doesn't surprise me though, sir, because you and I had this, this conversation too, that there were five states, six states that still had slavery as punishment on the docket to be yeah, voted yeah. against. And Amazing. Huh? I am... So everybody don't go to Louisiana. Like, you know, that's part of the, part of their constitution is that they can use slavery as a punishment. Yes. In their constitution. So I want to say Louisiana, Tennessee, uh, Oregon, um, maybe Alabama. And I can't think of the other state still had, they had not updated their, their state constitutions that would take out the language that one result of, crime or something like that was a state can still impose a slave. They can make you a slave. And, and of course, no one has done that in the, the pure sense, but that's also the 14th Amendment, which, which allowed the, the government to um, put you in, basically put you in prison and make you do unpaid labor. Like that's, that was a transfer from enslavement being owned by an individual to be owned by a state and some and that's still in effect that's why a prison is so large and they do unpaid labor work well they start paying them pennies to get around the 14th amendment but these states still have that in their constitutions and because of the social movements of the past uh, few year, recent years and people in these states saying we need to update this stuff and so it was on the ballot so we literally had slavery or enslavement on the ballot and um, all of the states voted it out except Louisiana like you were saying and we go well who who said yes to that um 80 percent of the white voters in Louisiana that's who that's who and so and so and so one of the things one of the things in America is you know we America generally in in language 
tend to tends to be polite. And we tend to, you know, it's easier to say what well, Republicans did, and then it is to say white people did. But it is the truth. Most white Americans are Republican. That doesn't make them bad people, but it's, it's a statistical fact. And the Republican voters in Louisiana said, nah, let's keep this as an option. And, and if you talk to an individual, because there were interviews, they would say, well, it's just tradition and we don't want to change our constitution. And that's it. And you go, well, well, why should this black person be okay with that? And that's one thing. But then you go, how could you in 2022 think that that's okay? And, and um, it was 80, almost 80% of the people think it's okay. That's, that's a little alarming. A little alarming. Right? I mean, that is incredible right? to even think that that's a topic of conversation that yeah. that has to be put on. And you know what? Most people don't know that. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's a great point you brought up Oregon. Because even my daughter was surprised. She was like, Oregon had that too? Because Americans, the popular, the popular idea is that it's a Southern thing, but it's not a Southern thing. It's not. And, and yes, Oregon had it in their constitution because Oregon was founded as a state, as a, a white utopia. Oregon was founded and their laws were, it's just for white people. We know other people here. We're going to be part of the United States, but we don't want any black people here. We don't want the native people. It's just white people. And, and Oregon has, Oregon still has, Oregon is called the great white North for a reason. It's not because of the mountains and the snow. Um, and it was still in their constitution. And you can look through Oregon's history and it is as sordid and ugly as any Southern state. It's ugly. And they've sort of come into, into modern times but that's just in the cities. When you go out into uh, wider um, Oregon, there, there are places that, that want to be part of Idaho, for example. Like they don't want to be part of Oregon. They want to be part of something that's more white than Oregon because that's where Oregon's roots are. So, so you know, and this interesting, we can say, oh, you know, President Biden won, Democrats won. We have fought back fascism and all this stuff. But you're looking at, you know, maybe we win, you know, by one by one House seat or one senator. We didn't really beat it back. We just sort of plugged the hole. That kind of thing. So so I overall, the Democrats had a great midterm. And I think um, the way it'll work out, they may in the House or in Congress, they may they're going to lose a few seats, but not that many. But it, they're going to hold the Senate. And so. President Biden, he's still going to be able to get a lot of things done. And so it's a pretty remarkable midterm for Democrats, historical, in fact. Historical. And you know what? It, it is Gen Z showing up. So now, yes. of course, Republicans are saying, hey, let's change the voting age to 21. Bitch, to 21. Right. Oh, it doesn't work in your favor. So now let's remove that demographic that is onto your bullshit, considering right. these Gen Zs are like, First of all, I want my autonomy back. They're worried about climate. They're worried about gun control. Like these, yes. they're worried about their fucking planet and their future. So yes, if they're able to go in the military, if they're able to be a legal adult at 18, then damn well they need to. Don't Republicans on the platform saying, let's change it to 18. Thank you, Gen Z, for showing up. Let's just say I, that. I mean, they, they, shoo up, they, shoo, they showed up in such great numbers. And you're right. Look, they have... And investment in everything too, right? So jobs, housing, school, of course, the environment because they're going to be here longer than us. Yeah. So, so yeah, I look, I I want the voting age lower to about sixteen. Like, yeah. you know what? Look, if at least you can't take it from eighteen because if you could send these folks to war, if you could send them to um, an adult prison if they commit crime, and if they can, I don't know. Um, drive and work and pay taxes, then they should be able to vote at 18. And it should, yeah. should be easy. Absolutely. Then you know what? If that's the case, then child support would have to go to 21, right? So you have, exactly. you have to make sure, yeah, you have to make sure that they're not deemed as adults at 18 then. Then you have to change everything. So, you know, it's the narrative that here we are, you know, Republicans are just 
flailing because, you know, the reason why, and I don't know if a lot, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the majority of people know that the reason why Republicans are so adamant, I'm not saying that Democrats don't do this either, but my philosophy is that when you get billionaires funding you and backing you up with so much money that you're going to put on any narrative, any face that you right. need to, so that you get that financing. You know what? You bring up a good point. And um, look, you a, a Republican male, right? And it's and it's a white male owns NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox News, um, Sinclair Broadcasting, which is most of your local news. Um, that person owns Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, not TikTok, because that's owned by China. Um, and that person owns Newsweek. And so uh, the Washington Post, the New York Times. So your news is curated by billionaire white men. And they are all Republican. They're Republican. So what you get in mass media is going to be slanted positive for Republicans and slanted negative for Democrats, even if, even if reality is not that. So, so you will hear, you will be, you will be fed negative things about Democrats and about women and about black people and about um, migrants. Uh, and you're going to be fed this stuff on social media at a greater percentage. You're going to be fed positive things about democratic policies or immigrants or black people or women and so forth. It's just a fact. Now there are, so, so someone asked me, where are the democratic um, billionaires? Cause they are out there. You, Cause you know where they are. They're solving malaria around the world. They're doing all this altruistic stuff, which is fine, right? They're set up these foundations to help with homeless and veterans and child medicine and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it's wonderful stuff. But at the same time, we have to somehow get our, um, our mass media more balanced because it used to be, and you still hear the old people say this, the liberal media. There is no liberal media. All media in America is owned by billionaire Republican white men. All of it. All, all of it is. And so, so someone says, oh, yeah, but they just own it. They don't force their views on it. Well, that's not true. So we know Fox News doesn't do that. And then CNN is owned by a billionaire um, Republican white man. And he, he told his staff, we're going we're gonna to emulate Fox News. And they've gotten rid of a lot of people who, a lot of their staff and on-air people who were obviously Democrats. And they, they just pushed, they push right-wing talking points. And it's happened on Fox or CNN. It's happened on NBC. And so you see fewer faces that look like you and I, like it's, it's just a fact. And so, so someone said, what well, does that, it, does that influence elections and how people think? Of course it does. It's just yeah. advertising. Advertising works. That's why you have your house, your car, your makeup, the food you eat, the, the clothes you wear. That's why you do those things because people advertise that to you. And if you continually advertise that one thing is good and one thing is bad, people start to believe that. Yep. And so our, our media is slanted that way. And so it's up to individuals to see through that and say, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't, it doesn't sound right. And so you will notice, you will notice in it for a few days after the midterms, a lot of things have suddenly disappeared from your news, right? Yeah. So, so you're not hearing about caravans, of, you know, what they call illegal immigrants, but you don't hear about the caravans. You don't hear about Kanye, Ice Cube and Killer Mike saying black people shouldn't vote. You don't hear about inflation, Democrats taking your guns, you don't hear about white scared suburban moms or uh, critical race theories disappeared. You don't hear about uh, North Korea firing missiles or Russian military um, doing stuff. Um, you're not hearing about candidates who don't want to, who don't like President Biden or Democrats who don't like President Biden. You don't hear about abortion as not an issue. All that stuff disappears because all that, all that stuff towards any election is just geared to frighten Americans. And very specifically, it's geared to frighten white Americans because when white Americans are, are afraid, they vote Republican. So all that stuff, it gets really, it just, it, it floods the airwaves, airwaves in one, two months and one and two weeks leading up to voting. And then once voting happens, it all just disappears. <laughs> it's crazy. And 
<laughs> you know, you, you, of course, we try to keep up, you know, social media and the news and reading. You and I have conversation. I mean, it's taking even, I don't know, what's that doofus guy name on um, Fox News that's the newscaster? Um, is, it, is it the Hannity guy? Or yes. Hannity oh, who talks about how diesel's going to run out of, you know, <laughs> how we're not going to have diesel in 25 oh, days. My. And that means no transportation. And when you break it down, that is not even remotely what the case is, but he instilled that 25, we have 25 days right before Thanksgiving that we are going to run out of diesel fuel. So there'll be no planes. There'll be no trains. There'll oh, be, I mean, and, and, and when you think about, just the audacity of just something that simple where people will listen to and then go spread it without even thinking, what is what do you mean 25 days? What does that necessarily mean? And it's right. not even, it's a reserve that we have from a diesel perspective. It's not even, we're not going to fucking run out of it. Um, oh my God. Yeah. So I think, I think as we, you know, talk about and, and always engage in these political conversations, because as, as I told you in the past in our audience, that I am, I'm learning more and I'm trying to understand more of it. And I am, I was so proud to see how the younger generation is really using their voice to vote. And I think that's really good. That's going to help the momentum. I'm, I'm super happy that Gavin, you know, won in California. I'm, I, 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 we live in a place right now where there's a little bit more hope happening and, and hopefully we, we see us getting back on, on some sort of ground. I don't know if necessarily, I mean, who knows what's, I mean, when you are in a state at Herschel Walker, you have to have a runoff with Herschel fucking Walker. Unbelievable. Georgia needs to just be cut off and then floated out to sea. Oh, just unbelievable. He is just, he is, someone on TikTok said, and I agree, he is every stereotype racist white people have about black people, about, about black men specifically. He is unintelligent. He is athletic, right? He, he has worked, he has listened to white people all his life when he was a college football player, when he was a professional football player. Um, he is big and strong, right? And he has a lot of children out of way, like some he just met this year, right? He has paid for abortions. He is every stereotype. And he got 80% of the white evangelical vote. 80, 80%. Now, Ra- Reverend Ralph Warnock, right, who is literally religious, he's fucking reverend, right? They didn't vote for him. So the people who tell you how God is so important to them, they voted for the person so far from that. And you ask yourself, why? Why did they vote for Herschel Walker, an 80% clip, instead of a person who has the same religion that they have? That's a mess. I can't, I can't, I can't fathom right? it. I don't know. Right? Like, I, how, do you, how does that even happen? It's just, it's, it's, you know, these are the same people who said, despite President Obama saying, yeah, I'm Christian, right? And I've been a Christian my whole life, who said, no, you're not. And these are the same people who said to Donald Trump, who knows nothing about religion or Christianity or anything, yes, you are. And so it, it, it's what we know. It's just race. It's just race. We cover it in a lot of different ways in this country, but it's just race. Just You just call it what it is. It's it's very sad. And I- So, I so think- we're, 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 oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, it's okay. No, I'm saying we're, we're um, we wanted to do for our 30th, something we hate, I think you said. Yes. Did you did you ha- did you come up with some? Um, I you said three things, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 I, I got I, I got a few things. So you, know, I, I've talked about my neighbor and his and his dog. Oh so God! I have a newish neighbor, and they have the big German Shepherd that they walk a few times a day because the German Shepherd needs to get outside and he looks like a beautiful animal, right? He's, he's on the, he's not black, but he is a lot of dark mixed hair. So he's darker more than lighter German Shepherd. And they, 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 they don't have him on the leash. He just walked by. So finally I saw, you know, I don't know if they're husband and wife, but I, one day I saw a, 
the dog ran up on my porch and I was able to see the lady. And I was like, hey, you really should put your dog on a leash. And she's like, no, he's fine. And I go, well, he's not, right? Like, he's fine to you because he knows you. And so, you know, she rolled her eyes and all this kind of stuff. And then a little, a couple of days later, she did have him on a leash. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be nice and say thank you. And I did say thank you. And of course, she gave me the really ugly look and rolled her eyes. <laughs> and a week or two goes by, and now he's not on a leash anymore. Like, oh. he's just running. And today the guy was walking up, calling him, trying to get the dog to stop, right? Because he was too far ahead. And I just thought, I, so I hate them. So that's one thing that I, I, I hate them so much. <laughs> I hate them too. <laughs> oh my God. I hate them so much. Um, I hate all those drugs that, as you see, advertised on TV that have all those stupid names. I hate them. I hate and all them. their side effects. <laughs> yes, yes. Sky Reezy, Kuponzi, you know, the stuff. I'm like, why don't you just use English to name something? Like, why are you just putting random words together, breaking all the little English rules of, you know, a Q with the K and just weird stuff. And from the same people that, you know, they see somebody with a black name, like Tynesha, they don't know how to pronounce it. But you can pronounce all these other drug names. Like, stop those drug names. I absolutely hate them. Okay. And then I'm going to go across the pond for the third thing I hate. I hate that guy they call Prince Charles. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to tell you why. Because you're probably like me. I remember when that ugly man married um, Princess Diana. <laughs> right. Like late first she was Lady Di and then she was Princess Diana. And I remember how much that family hated her and how during the height of the AIDS crisis, when people were going crazy over people with AIDS and not wanting to be in the same room or touch them. She was in different countries in Africa holding babies and touching black people who had AIDS. Wow. Right. She was like she was like. And people start calling her the people's princess and they hated her, right? And then, I mean, people loved her, but that royal, that stupid royal family hated her. And then that ugly man had the nerve to cheat on her with that hag of a woman, right? Camilla, yes. Yes. And now that hag, that side piece is his queen consort or whatever they call it. And so I'm like, you... You lazy bum. You just sat around doing nothing your entire life except cheating on your princess wife. And now you're like the so-called king and you got your side piece there. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are three good things that I would probably say, man, I really hate those too. <sighs> okay, what, what, what are yours? Um. Okay, so it's so funny just in general how... My sister says, wouldn't it be easier if you came up with list that what about list stuff that you love? And I said, we would have maybe five things. So the hating is just a long list. And I hate anime. I am. I don't know how people get into fucking anime. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. I don't want to see it. And it falls in line with fucking Pokemon. So both of those like card collecting. <laughs> Is Pokemon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hate it all. Oh my god! Oh, you know what? I also I hate ventriloquist. <laughs> they are the worst. They are the worst form of comedy and all that stuff. I totally agree. Because listen, we know that you can talk with your mouth closed, but there's no like. I mean, it's still just a dummy sitting on your lap. I just hate ventriloquists. I am not, I am not a, I'm not a, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. You know what? It probably was like really novel a hundred years ago. Yes. During, during like right? prohibition and shit. <laughs> yeah. But nowadays we know it's coming out of your throat. Like it's okay. <laughs> like we got like, like we've seen special effect movies and stuff. We, 
someone's sitting a little fake doll in your lap. Unless that doll is Chucky, he's stabbing you in the neck. It's not funny. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I have just, that is one thing that I just hate. And you know, this is, this is for all my, uh, my naturally curly hair ladies. I hate fucking humidity. I hate it. I hate. that's so funny that's so funny i hate it like you get all dressed up and your hair is all done you go outside and it's fucking turns into a big frizzball hate humidity so those are my three (sighs) things for this week that i definitely cannot stand that's so perfect so um as someone with short almost non-existent hair the humidity doesn't bother (laughs) (laughs) see so annoying. Oh my God. Oh my oh. God. This has been, I mean, I think we're coming up on our hour already because we have just, to, from talking to your book to sharing a little bit about the elections and the midterms and, and some of the fucking atrocity that's happening in some other states across the country. Um, and then we got to our top three things. Is there one show that you want to share with everybody that you're watching? <sighs> so... Um, yes. So just for the walking dead people, I am, I have made it to season 10 and I'm about midway through. I, I have a, a friend who insisted I watch walking dead. So I, I've been watching walking dead. So I'm caught up. Um, but I have a way of watching. I have to admit, I watched the first, I watched the opening, which is about five minutes. And then I skip. you know, there's always two people who fall into a ditch and they have long conversation throughout the movie throughout the show there's always something like that and i i skip all that nonsense and then i get to like the first you know meeting with some zombies they kill some zombies and then usually you know somebody you know gets killed and then the end is like pretty exciting so i can watch those 45 minute episodes in about 15 minutes damn okay I was quite yeah I, I, I breeze through yeah and so i, I still root for the zombies like I, i'm rooting for the zombies i am ro- actively rooting for the zombies um, and the only reason I'm watching this because I guess it's supposed to end. Um, I guess next season is the end of it or something like that. So I'm almost caught. And I gotta admit, like the late, it's sort of dragged in the middle, but the late season um, plots and stuff has been pretty entertaining. So that's it. It's just The Walking Dead. And then, oh, I should tell you, today is Wakanda Forever Day. So I'm going to see Wakanda Forever today. Yeah. Yeah. You have to let me know how that is. I, you know, I haven't been to a theater since, um, since, uh, what was the movie that, um, oh, Get Out. So I went to see Get Out as a, as a white girl by myself, um, sitting next to a couple, interracial couple. And I swear to God, that guy kept, that guy kept a close eye on me throughout the movie. (laughs) I'd take him home and drink some tea. So I tap of that cup, man. <laughs> so I have not been to the theater since then. So I'm thinking if I'm sure you're gonna love it because I first of all, just Wakanda Forever is so good and, and to right. Chadwick and and, yes. and the staple that he left behind. I think yeah. Um, so I want to know if it's good. I might sneak in, not sneak in, I'll pay, but go see the movie by myself. So I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Yes, yes. So I love going to movies by myself. So I will, maybe I'll do a, a review. Uh, we're going to do a book next week, but I'll, we can do a little bit on um, Wakanda Forever because you're right. You know, I already told my daughter, I said, look, they're going to have some type of acknowledgement of Chadwick passing and folk going to be in tears. Like yep. people love that guy as Black Panther, love that guy. And it's just as a human, not just as that you know that character but so that's going to be that's going to be pretty incredible I, I can't wait to be in it i love it i can't wait to hear about it i you know i started so a few years ago i started manifest which was like a abc Ooh, show oh yes and so netflix picked that up for i think it's fourth uh, the fourth season is going to be two parts and then they're going to be finished so hopefully it will be like lost and you know we won't have unlike lost and we'll have a solid resolution, but I have to say, I started watching them and I'm going to watch it because I've watched the other previous three seasons, but some of the acting on there is just overly done and it's just getting on my nerves, but I'm going to continue holding on to it because I love it. And I I have to watch also the season finale of handmaid's tale. So that is, um, that played last week. I think, I feel like that was such a short season because 
Yeah, weird. So they're they're having a sixth season of Handmaid's Tale, and that will be the final one. So. Okay, you know, you know, I forgot to mention, and we could we could probably could we, we should dedicate a show to this this genre movie or TV show before or movie before we um, before Christmas, and that is Christmas movies. Oh no, fuck that, no. No, nope. I'm telling nope. you, I, I have watched three, and they are so bad. They're so bad from the like the Hallmark Channel, and I, you know, I have figured out if you ever wondered where J.C. Penny catalog models ended up, they're in these Christmas movies. That's you know what? You're gonna things. get you're gonna get my mom, my sister, just pissed because you know what? I tell them. Let me tell you this movie, what is going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's going to lose a job. They're going to get find this man that they went to high school with, and then they're going to fall in love. And my mom said, so? <laughs> it's going to be so, some so. executive lady. I watched what she was inheriting her grandfather's real estate empire, but that firefighter was just the right guy in that little town. <laughs> You know the end. They're gonna fall in love. They're gonna be rich. Everything's gonna be fine. <laughs> it was so good. She just wanted to, to raid the fire bell or something. <laughs> oh, my mom and my sister live for those movies, and I just cannot. And you know, their thought process is: it's nice to watch a movie that has a happy ending. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it's not. Yes, it's so bad. <laughs> So you know what? Maybe next next week I'm gonna maybe maybe not next week, but maybe before Christmas I'll get my top five best worst Christmas movies I've seen. All right, and I'll ask my sister and my mother for their 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 Hallmark movies that they would recommend because they probably played the same ones every year. So yeah, well, if they I'm have sure. them, I'll share those, and um, I'm sure I'll be able to tell you what they're about without ever even watching them. All right, perfect. So where can people find you online? You can find me at Jen Van Lan and Veg on IG, Big Button a Smile on TikTok, and Redheaded Vegan, Redheaded Vegan, Redhead Vegan on Twitter. What about you, sir? Nice. Um, uh, on Twitter, Myron J. Clifton, and Facebook, Myron Clifton, and also Dear Dean. Same on Instagram and TikTok. And just see my Amazon page for uh, my books and stuff. And I'm also on Medium and I blog. So we're out there. Hit us up, listen to our show, share our show, rate it, review it, uh, give us some feedback, and we'll keep going. So we made it to episode 30 out of 100. By the time we get to, the time we get to 100, Jen, we're going to be king of the world, king, king and queen of the world. King of the world. And maybe by then, um, those governors of Texas and Florida will be gone. Yes. <laughs> That'll be good. <laughs> Enjoy your um, day. Peace out, mofo. Bye. Bye.